0: So here we are. Um, it has been a good old while, but let's just get right into it. Um, I want you to think about if you've ever seen the um, to- not the Tokyo Game Show, but the Game Awards. It's usually a prestigious event. It's essentially the Oscars for the uh, video game for the video game industry, and. It's just like any sort of war show, it's always a who's who, the biggest creators, and just think about how the, um, maybe the, uh, Emmys would be if, say, I don't know, um, Spike Lee or Quentin Tarantino, how their, how one of their, um, films just got an award, but as the, um, but... Before the award is presented, you have a, the host coming on to say that, "Oh, uh, Spike or Quentin, they can't be here due to um, they can't be here due to being ousted from their own project." And that's what many a gamer felt back in 2015 was when um, Metal Gear Solid 5, um, when Metal Gear Solid 5 came out. And unfortunately Hideo Kojima had actually just been uh released slash cut ties with Konami due to creative differences, i.e. Konami being a dick. And that was a that was a moment that many gamers felt as a gut punch because Hideo Kojima, for anyone that doesn't know, he was he was and is Um, one of the video game auteurs, one of few, honestly. Like While you may have great video games, you never really have anyone in video games that has a style that just kind of screams, oh, it's this person. You really wouldn't know too much. Like like, uh, The Last of Us, not many people really know who Neil Druckmann is, outside of him being the creator of that game well the creative director of that game and and for him it's different as opposed to Hideo Kojima because Hideo Kojima has had a long list of Hideo Kojima's been a part of the industry for years and he has been just like Hideo Kojima is video games in the way that Miyamoto is video games or um, at a time Cliff Blazinski with um, Gears of War um, but with um, but with every uh, negative, that comes a positive. And with Hideo with Hideo Kojima ultimately um, never making another Metal Gear game after Metal Gear Solid 5 due to the issues with Konami, that finally opened him up to be more creative and have and allow his his signature brand of weirdness to flow. Uh, freely for the first time in years and as a result we got not just Kojima Productions but we got Death Stranding finally after years and years of waiting for this game it's finally out finally beat it played it all that reviews are up and not many people are too uh, pleased with it but that's part of what we're going to talk about today so welcome back to the Crimson Clouds podcast. So long gone, but not forgotten (laughs) Uh, here we are today and um, This is just gonna be my take on Death Stranding and just kind of talking about the talking about kind of the themes and kind of sort of like a vocal review on it honestly, but Long story short, um, Death Stranding. It's a great fucking game. It's a great game. Like You can hop on the internet right now and just get reviews for Death Stranded and most of them will probably. And It's one of the more divisive video games of the year due to uh, numerous elements. Um, The game itself has been described as a uh, walking simulator. Um, The long and short of it is that most of the gameplay is uh, taking packages from point A to point B. And just trying to get there in one piece without damaging anything or in some cases being killed and that doesn't sound like the greatest uh, that's not even the greatest uh description of the game, but it's kinda but it behooves not just me but also you if you even have a chance to any desire to actually play the games, so try and go into it as um try to go into it with as open a mind as possible because. With Hideo Kojima, his games are his games really are uh, like really really weird. And when you play his games, you definitely understand that um, he has his own style. Like he doesn't do what's popular or even or even what's expected half the time. Um, that was kind of the that was the. Um, Core selling point of the Metal Gear games was that they had his signature brand of weirdness to them. Like, what other video game would have you, um, when Metal Gear Solid came out, what other video game would have the um, actual um, computer read the memory card and have you um, unplug the unplug the controller and put it in the port two for the first time? What other video game would have you running around naked for almost 20 minutes before being contacted? By by a codec and just getting a nonsensical answer and getting not a nonsense uh, dialogue exchange. Uh, Metal Gear itself is Metal Gear itself is what Hideo Kojima is known for, and that kind of and that ultimately um, led the wave of just the idea of what his video games could be and would be. Outside of the weirdness, they were also they're also filled deep with a really exciting, lore, with a really exciting lore that, while convoluted at times, it just always stayed interesting. From the from Lule Lo, Low, the Patriots, the <laughs> trying to figure out who was the inferior clone between Liquid and Snake, and just all the twists and turns. It was. It was fun. It was great to find out everything about the game because of the fact that it had such a um, it had such a character and personality to it that it was infectious. You couldn't fault it for lack of creativity because it really felt like Hideo Kojima was just throwing everything at the wall, and a lot of it worked. Like while it did have some questionable moments, namely uh, Quiet and her being half naked all the time due to photosynthesis, just. Just look it up. I'm not gonna explain that, but, um, <clears throat> but the Metal Gear games, but the Metal Gear games ultimately were um, Hideo Kojima's signature, and not just his signature, but they were Konami's biggest. They were Konami's biggest seller, and still are some of the best-selling stealth games of all time. Um, going back, um, just total franchise sales. The three biggest, um, in the, um, from, say, uh, 1993, from, I think, 1993 when the first Metal Gear, when the first Metal Gear game came out, well, Metal Gear Solid, when Metal Gear Solid first came out, all the way to 2015, when MGS5 came out, all the Metal Gear games, um... All Metal Gear games collectively, those were those were the uh, biggest selling like mainstream stealth games with over 53 million units sold, comparative to its um, contemporaries, uh, Splinter Cell and Hitman, both selling 32 million and 8 million copies total over the franchise's lifetimes. Metal Gear was the face of not just Konami but stealth action games, and. Unfortunately, uh, due to not just Konami but Ubisoft, um, but to Ubisoft letting their franchise sort of go the way of the dodo and just and almost die. Um, right now, Hitman's the only like stealth game from that era that's still persisted. People love the, people love the new Hitman; it's great. But but um, with all that, the the greatest part of um, Hideo not working on Metal Gear anymore is that Death Stranding is Death Stranding is his fi- Death Stranding is finally released, and it is his signature brand of weirdness that that you would expect from Hideo. And it's really jarring to see all the reviews and people that play the game kind of bash it and say it's a terrible game that is just um, that's pretentious when. Really, it was all there. (laughs) It was all there from the start. It really wasn't just, this really isn't anything new. Like, everything that Hideo Kojima does in this game, it's definitely something that that you could have seen coming from a mile away. And so, with the game, Hideo Kojima has gone on to say that it's a um, strand game, and that's actually a really important part, and actually one of my favorite parts about the game. And what he means by that is that there's a, um, sort of multiplayer aspect to the game that allows, um, players to interact with other players in a very, in an indirect way. So, um, with, so in Death Stranding, um, so with Death Stranding, I'm not gonna get too heavy into the spoiler, into the story spoilers, but maybe some gameplay things, just to kind of, like, just to like express how just to express how much I really think this game like is worth it. And I really do think you should check this out if you have any sort of passing interest in it. Uh, one of the biggest things is the social aspect. Um, and so in Death Stranding, um, you're ultimately trying to travel across from coast to coast in America, connecting it because America has gotten to a point where it's no longer, um, connected everyone's isolated, And this is all just one like massive, like heavy handed metaphor for not just um, America's, not just for America's uh, broken political state and how we've become so um, divided and polarized, but also um, racial tensions, even just um, even just kind of being afraid, even just on a smaller level, just being afraid to interact with other people and open up and actually like benefit from the support of others and and being a, and that's what the um so, that's what the multiplayer aspect of the game comes into like as you go through these really hard and arduous treks and go from maybe and go from say a flat plane to a mountain range it was difficult to do it on your own but after you connect someone to the chiral network so to speak um you all you open up to the um, online aspect of the game and then where other players that may have traversed before you you see that they left items they left items for you to use that they can't anymore and then you're ultimately doing the same and by doing that you gain a indirect level support the game becomes easier as you go place to place and as you go place to place and connect everyone back and kind of reconnect everything and that's something I I found was really cool because it definitely does go back into the idea of trying to connect everybody while in the game everyone like interacts through while most everyone except for like the major NPCs basically interact through, um, through holograms because they're Ultimately, like doomsday preppers, <laughs> because they're ultimately doomsday preppers. What's really, really cool is the idea that um, this idea of of support and community throughout the game it permeates everything in the game. From not just from getting items from NPCs, but there's going to be little roads that you can build, and it's going to look daunting when the requirements when the requirement list pops up. But then you realize that you, that the roads aren't just for you; they're for other players playing the game. And as you contribute materials to help the road, maybe when you come back, and maybe say an hour, two hours, or whenever you get back to the area, the entire road is going to be built. Not because, not just because of you getting that like little ticker from zero to say eighteen hundred, but from everyone else contributing because they know that it not only helps you, not not because they know it only helps themselves, but because it also helps you in the end. And that's one of my favorite things about the game is almost every part of it is about cooperation. Every part of it is about is about connecting in general. And and so just to see the game progress in this manner is something that I haven't really seen in any game. I mean, I, might, I may not have played anything that's done it before, but for it to be in a, in a massive title like this, um, I really do think that that's such an amazing thing to do. Um, and progress in general, that's, sort of, that's also another big thing in the game. The progression system, it's, it's really different. Not completely different to so where it's going to change the gaming industry forever, but it's different as to where um, a lot of video games now sort of feel like they want they want to give you like everything to make the game as exciting as possible from the very beginning. Um, uh, Kingdom Hearts Three is a pretty good example of this. Um, in Kingdom Hearts Three there was a a moment where um, Yin Sid tells Sora that he's not as powerful as he once was, and he has to gradually build himself back up to that. And while I was obviously probably talking about, um, I was obviously talking about, uh, like, leveling up, on a while, I was talking about leveling up, it's also talking about um, maybe some of his powers that he may not have. Anything they may have been able to do in Dream Job Distance or, or any previous games, he might be able to do now. But the thing about that is, um, this was maybe three hours into the game, maybe five, and immediately after that cutscene when I was playing it, um, immediately after that cutscene when I was playing it, um, Like, uh, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in an enemy encounter. And next thing you know, I see a little, um, like special icon that said, Hey, like press this button to do this. And next thing you know, it's this massive fireworks show. One of the attractions that is one of the attractions that is wildly overpowered, even though it was on normal mode, but it still kind of did a bit too much to just be like, Oh yeah, sorry. Not that powerful anymore. But, hey, you can do all these crazy things, like, from almost, like, hour five. That's not really a good progression system, but whatever. Um, it'd be better if, say, the game kind of doled these out to you, like, as you got farther and farther into the game, rather than just kind of make you a badass, like, like immediately. And uh, I feel like there's going to be some people that say Kingdom Hearts is an easy game, but I mean, even two wasn't that easy, but whatever. But that my point is that um, Death Stranding it does the exact opposite of that. You really do have to work for even the smallest upgrade that just makes that just makes um, the journey even a bit less. Um, that makes the, the journey a bit less arduous because because that's a key part of the game is the immersion into Sam's. Uh, in the Sam's shoes. <laughs> um, it, it's funny because you do actually have to be wary of uh, Sam's footwear at all times because if they wear out, that's actually another part, another facet of the game. It's filled with systems. It's filled with systems that are all based around survival and his footwear is one of them. And even just getting a better pair of boots is something that it's something that helps you farther in the game than just than just being able to run and than being able to sprint indefinitely. Like you have to always be considerate of everything about Sam from his stamina, from his stamina, how much cargo he's um, holding, and even BB, the uh, little baby that he's carrying with him at all times. And that's the thing: as you progress through the game and you make these connections with different people. It makes the game easier, um, not just the um, not just from support of other players with the NPCs. You'll be getting new equipment that makes it easier to face enemies, or and to just like trek along. Um, there was a point in the game when I was um, in a mountainous area, and I just went all the way up a massive mountain, and then thankfully, once I delivered the package. Um, an NPC gave me a uh, all terrain mod that let me, um, walk up, they let me walk up steep hills and snowy regions a lot easier. And that made the game so much better. And you get little incremental, like, you get little incremental, um, uh, you get incremental, um, I can't think of the word now. <laughs> and you get little incremental upgrades like that all the time in the game and they almost feel innocuous or pointless because because you want to be mindful of your car and you don't want to carry too much, but there's ways to mitigate that and the cargo system you can just auto you can just hit auto with everything or you can just be a little bit con- uh, deliberate while the item management is um while the item management can be frustrating when you really get the flow of things about about what can go where the different things that have special pouches it makes the game easier and just that's the thing like the the slow start it builds up Because it is just a vehicle for this massive, like, sprawling narrative. You'll you'll probably have a really long trek from... You'll probably have a super long trek, but then you'll be hit with massive story reveals and meet really interesting characters. All the characters in the game, they're actually really, really fun to um, know a bit more about. While their names aren't the most imaginative and they're kind of um, pretty obvious what their whole shtick is... Um, The thing about that is that it really just frees them up to give you an idea of what's so uh, unique about them, and give you a general um, sense of who they are. Like a mama is a mom, or a heartman, there's obviously something with his heart, and dead man is, you know, a dead man. (laughs) Like it gives you little hints to what their stories are, and that's what's so cool, and this. And all the characters, even even one of the uh, dumbest named characters, that's done completely with intention. Uh, Die Hard Man is the name, and <laughs> and it's really and it's really fun to kind of meet the characters, and that's just something that Hideo Kojima has always been adept at at creating, like really fun and unique characters. That while they may while they may seem like overly goofy or anything, there's always like a great degree of heart to all of them and it all and everything in every single character like they all like have some sort of place in the world that just ties back to the grander story that makes it all the more endearing to see and to see these different aspects of it Um, one of the characters um, one of the characters uh, Mama actually and uh, in Death Stranding the um, in *Death Stranding*, the uh, world itself—it's a world that um, the—it's uh, not zombies, but ghosts. In essence, are um, they've permeated the living world in a way that, if they come into contact with normal people, they can ultimately cause catastrophic damage in this massive explosion called a void out. And these are all really, really cool because—and these are really, really cool because they're just. The designs to them are all insane, and they're called beach things. That's what BT means, is beach thing. And it goes with this like sea life theme that Kojima goes for. But ultimately, um, one of the characters, but anyway, uh, Mama, she's, uh, she's one of the characters, and her biggest thing is being a mother. Um, this was probably, uh, this is probably gonna be. I'm gonna try to keep it to a minimum, but this is like gonna be the one spoiler that I'll just explicitly just state. But uh, Mama, um, especially because I feel this one was at least revealed in promotional materials at some point. Uh, Mama, her character is um, she has a uh, infant BT that just kind of hovers around her. It's one of the few docile BTS in the video game, and that's sort and that's her entire that's her entire character is that outside of being a scientist, she holds a lot of grief for the fact that her, that while she didn't, that while she survived her, her infant daughter didn't. And that's the, um, and that's, and this goes into the theme of just, and this is obviously just going to touching on the uh, subject of grief and survivor's remorse and how, unfair it can be to be a parent and not see your child live when you did and despite and it's honestly touched on with a little bit of uh and it's honestly like presented with such sincerity that it doesn't feel exploitative or even harmful or even um just uh one-dimensional it's honestly one of my favorite bits in the game narratively that that's when it's revealed it's like oh shit <laughs> Like, they really went there with this, and it, it's kind of heartbreaking to see her entor- her entire story play out. Every character has a nice little character arc that either gets tightly wrapped up by the end of the game, or is just left to interpretation. Um, uh, numerous characters, um, a couple of characters are stuck in fairly... Um, unfortunate loops and i'm not going to talk about them but it's still um it's still nice and all in all the game itself the narrative is the biggest draw like if the gameplay isn't gonna like really pull anybody in even though it's really fun the narrative is the one that 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 really anyone that wants to play the kajima game that's the one that they're gonna be looking for because it can it can push those emotional buttons and hit those highs and lows of a narrative that really that really sticks with you and it's a game that that after you finish it you'll be thinking about it more and more honestly um, even if it's just looking at some of the plot holes that may been presented in the game it's just like wait what or if you're just trying to understand a bit more about it it's definitely something that stays with you um, and speaking of uh, gameplay and sticking with you. Uh, for me, one of the biggest parts was how, um, arduous the game itself was. Vehicles were, vehicles were a great addition to the game, but painfully, they were not the most practical due to the beautiful landscapes in the game in a very mountainous and rocky America. Um, even just this tiniest rock or just, or just a cluster of rocks made it impossible to drive like anything in the game. So uh, because of that, like vehicles were wildly impractical through most of the game, actually, unless you like start making roads, the vehicles weren't really, the, the vehicles weren't really the best, the vehicles weren't really the best option for doing anything. It was just always, you got to put your foot and put your boots to the ground and just do it. And this this segment of it, which is what I feel brought a lot of contention for the game, because which is what I feel is a point of contention for the game, is that um is that just because Sam's whole because Sam's whole character is that he is a porter. He's a man that's driven by loneliness and just loneliness and duty. Like he just he wants to be a porter because he not only has a fear of he not not only does he has an not only does he have a um complete fear of being touched to which obviously ties into his character arc of not wanting to open up and be isolated from the world but but his job is just being a courier and the one solo courier at that well porter is that um it gives you the sense of immersion that he struggles he he's a he's a man that he's a man that goes through some of the um hardest things in the game in in the game's world which is just being which is just doing these like long ventures across america helping others but really with no desire to help himself while he does seem self-serving in certain aspects like through his isolation it's mostly due to the fact that he doesn't know how to open up to other people. He doesn't really trust others to really be around them because he feels so isolated. And in that isolation, you feel, in, and his isolation is mostly is represented in the game through these long, long, long just walking segments. Like As you deliver packages, you really do get that sense of isolation that Sam has. While he does have BB, um, while he does have BB, the uh, baby, attached to him, um, it's not exactly like he can talk to him. It's not exactly like he can talk to the kid. (laughs) It's not exactly like the kid talks back. Like, there will be numerous points in the game where he's just talking to himself. Like, you can do it, Sam, or just get at it, or even just his frustrations with himself. While some of them do break the fourth wall, like where he's clearly saying, um, kind of thirsty, or be quiet, dumbass. He's talking to the player. It's, it's all in a way to kind of immerse the player and give you the sense that while the while the landscape is bare outside of the uh, natural, a landscape is bare outside of the natural environmental hazards. It is just Sam doing all these things alone, just him, a baby, and whatever cargo he's carrying and these long treks really help you get into that mindset of how awful it would be to to kind of be stuck in this like endless loop of helping others and just only servicing them and not helping yourself in any real- in any like tangible way by not forming any connection it's um it's reminiscent to me of being a, of just being someone that can only uh <laughs> uh what was that line it's a uh, it's kind of like the line from uh avengers infinity war uh, i got tre- i got others to treasures i cannot have or something like that and that's basically the crux and that's basically like one of sam's like biggest issues that he helps others find happiness or peace or whatever but he can't really like but he doesn't really do anything for himself at the end of the day he's just a tool and that's just how he and that's really just how he like views himself he's just helping others solely so he can Solely so he can just go about his day and go back to isolating himself because he doesn't want to be a part of America. He doesn't want to be a part of anything bigger. He just wants to go back to being isolated and alone, and that's and that's the driving point between his relationship with BB and the other characters in the game. As you progress through the game, he develops these relationships with everyone else, no matter how no matter how um, like shallow they may be just to um serve the overall goal of getting to the east coast um he does develop a sort of rapport with everyone and everyone depends on him and he begins to like see and he begins to see the point in in connecting with others and I feel that's that's a really really and I feel that's a good point honestly while the gameplay loop itself isn't well the gameplay loop itself isn't the most exciting from moment to moment um you really can find excitement in it it's fun to kind of like see like oh can I climb that mountain or can I make it across this river and oh no here goes all my packages I'm probably fucked <laughs> or but as the game goes on it's uh I've heard the game described as um, but as the game goes on, you really kind of get into that—you really get into that mindset of how can I spice things up, because it would be pretty boring if it's just um, kind of a flat walk from here to there. But the way the environment is made to make you try and like figure out your way around environmental obstacles and hazards—that does make it more exciting. And um, one of the ways I've heard the game described is that it's a game made for the people that do love spending uh, 30 minutes trying to climb a mountain in Skyrim, or the people that played Breath of the Wild and were like, I, th- I think I can do this in the rain. It's, it's a game that is about adventure. It's about the exploration and trying to trying to make your own path. And while it's not as, and while the game can be completely barren, and, some, and in some cases you are just fighting the environment itself with no actual NPCs to come in contact with, um, there are enemy characters in the BTs, the mules, and the terrorists. And each of them, and each of them actually, uh, they all come with their own sort of challenges. The uh, mules, you can handle them either in direct confrontation, and the BT or stealth. And the BTs, they're typically best handled with stealth, even though I was an asshole and kind of tried to turn to direct confrontation every time because that was just kind of really cool to me just to see the different, um, like, just to see the different, like, uh, BT creatures that would, like, appear every time uh, you started a mini-boss encounter. And ultimately, the thing about it was... um, And with that... Uh, with that really, uh the game itself the game itself uh really felt a lot like a Metal Gear light in some of those cases because it because I mean it's made by Hideo Kojima again and Metal Gear was like his thing. So you really did kinda get the feeling that that um this was kind that there was a skeleton of a Metal Gear game in this a little bit, at least in those segments, but um those are all like optional and Uh, While they're not that hard, well, they're not that hard to do, and the game kind of, uh, this is probably my one gripe, this is one of my few gripes of the game that did feel, like, kind of easy in places, but it, it, but, um, it was little things, like, um, it, like, you can literally parry anybody, and there was always a, um, like, uh, for any of the human characters, if they were trying to attack you, um, physically you could parry anybody and you could always uh kind of just subdue them that way and there was always this uh, animation where it would slow down and give you a chance to parry and the parry window was pretty generous i never missed it and i'm actually really bad at parries <laughs> but um that was like one of my biggest grabs that felt kind of easy and at times um I think if I, like, did this more, if I got into more BT encounters, I probably would have noticed it, but there were some BT encounters where, um, where you're being helped out by other players, and like they would just keep throwing items at you, It's maybe, like, out of the f- f- handful I did, there were, like, two or three where I couldn't complete them, because of the fact that they just kept throwing me, like, useless items, like, only uh, healing items, and I was completely out of, like... I was completely out of, um, like, weapon items to fight, to fight back, so, um, so the difficulty, like, it's there in certain places, but then it's, it kind of, like, falls apart because other times they were just kind of throwing me, like, like, great items, but anyway, um, (laughs) the game is, uh, like, I love the game, and I really do feel like it's an experience for anybody to have, and just check it out, and just see how you feel, um, if you don't probably just borrow it from somebody. Um and finally, uh just to touch on a couple points. Uh the one of the worst part uh one of the worst things I've heard about the game just kinda of going through like reviews and such were uh, and just kinda of touching on the negatives here, um, from everyone else and I just kinda of want to close out on this. Um one of the biggest things I heard about the game is that games should always be fun. Um is that games should always be fun. If the gameplay isn't fun, it's not a good game. And that's that's definitely something that is that's a point of contention for me. That's uh I don't I I don't honestly believe it's true. Um not all video games should be fun, and not all video games are fun to everybody, even, quote-unquote, fun video games. There's a, uh, there's a reason, like, games, like, the Viscera Cleanup Detail exists, or the, uh, or the Soul series, honestly, or even point-and-click, point-and-click adventure games. Like, each of those, each of those games all had different, like you can garner different levels of enjoyment out of different things like what you gain out of it is going to be completely different from someone else like while someone may not like someone may not enjoy say the souls games because they don't want to die over and over just to get better um another pace another person may revel in the challenge me personally i'm currently playing the uh, the latest star wars game on jedi master and it's not it's not as hard as the. Um, it's not as hard as any of the Souls games, but it definitely frustrates me to the point where I don't know why I'm doing this, and I know other people that have said they're not gonna do it because they know it's gonna piss them off. <laughs> um, and another, and I don't like point-and-click adventure games. I think they're kind of boring, but someone else likes. Them. But point-and-click adventure games are were a staple in the 90s, and they were a staple in the 90s, and me, hell, a lot of people still call Grim Fandango one of the best games of the year, and even just, um, and for that, um, the moment-to-moment gameplay probably isn't fun, just going point and click, but that game itself had a lot of humor and personality to it, and just art, and even the art design is what, hell, is what makes it one of, um, the best games of all time to some people. And so, for that reason, I honestly don't really find—I don't really see that um, the complaints that the gameplay, because the gameplay isn't fun, like the moment-to-moment gameplay isn't fun and *The Stranding*, that is not good. Like for that, I think that instead it's about everything that went into the game that actually makes it good. It's a game that's based on immersion, the experience, the narrative it takes various systems from other games and ultimately like and it takes various systems from other games and then retools them in interesting ways um one of my favorite things in Death Stranding even another another point that I really liked about Death Stranding was that it took the um watchtowers from Ubisoft while um while um well, basically, it's kind of a common staple in video games now. Where if you have an open world, you're gonna have to have towers to like reveal more and more of the map. While the map's um, pretty actually, while the map's pretty clear where to go, where to go, and what to do, um, you'll be doing that. And as you're like integrating everyone to the Kawa network, this plays into not just the story, but this is how you'll be getting the items from other characters to help you when you trek across. Um, across the map so as you go to reveal more of the map and to do these deliveries as you're going to uh do these deliveries and as you go to do these deliveries for people next thing you know um here comes the other characters um items that help you traverse the map and ultimately and ultimately change the way you play the game and that's honestly a um A pivot that I really enjoy and that's something that I really like about the game or um, and that's what I feel like while it may be taking from another game I feel it takes from something else in a really like meaningful and purposeful manner or um, take a look at how you can't really like talk to other players but you can leave things like signs like any sort of cooperation um, any sort of cooperation in the game Like the um, unlike the Dark Souls system, which can kind of be used to troll, a lot of it is just used for cooperation. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but so far it seems that there's really no room for you to actually be a dickhead with this. (laughs) Um, And that's just kind of uh, my take on it. Um, It's like enjoyment isn't something that can be, isn't something that's just um, a standard. Like, while there are, like, while some games are generally just fun, some people just don't like it. Like, there are people that don't like Doom because it's so fast-paced. Spec Ops The Line is another video game that, that it wasn't, that it was lambasted in reviews for being just, it was lambasted in its reviews for being just another generic military shooter, but the storyline itself pushed it into a place of being a cult classic. And... I feel that while the game may not be viewed as a masterpiece, um, I do feel that Death Stranding will at the very least go down as a cult classic in hindsight because it's a great game. It's really something I feel everybody should um, check out at some point. The soundtrack is phenomenal. The game, the gameplay is actually fairly addictive while that or I'm just a huge Kojima fanboy, probably the latter, but um, that's uh, that's kind of all for today. I kind of rambled, and I really feel like that was uh, <laughs> and I feel like I'm kind of out of practice. But we're gonna change that. And anyway, if you liked what I did today, um, check out the Instagram. That's a Crimson Clouds podcast, and the Twitter it is at um, cclouds Clouds Thirteen. All right, see you later.